0: Playing the ukulele badly because this podcast is self-produced. Weird stuff has happened in the past and here I am to tell you about it. I guess. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Absurd Real History. Hello and welcome to Absurd Real History, the podcast where I find weird stories from the past and find interesting comedic guests to tell them to. Today I'm really excited to be joined by stand-up
1: comedian Jalila Galbraith. Hi. Hello. I like that introduction. You said that it was a weird story with an interesting guest whereas I feel you've probably got an interesting story with a weird guest. <laughs> so, see how it goes. This one's kind of a kind of a
0: weird one. It's a very nerdy episode. Oh go for it. So a couple of weeks ago uh, my housemate told me about Toki Pona. Okay. Which at first sounded silly, but it's kind of been our lockdown project of learning it. (laughs) Um, It was invented by French-Canadian linguist Sonia Lang in 2001 as a way of simplifying her thoughts during depression. It's like an attempt to focus in on what really matters, uh, breaking down complex thoughts into their most basic elements, a minimalist language. Cool. Uh, There's only 123 words. (laughs)
1: oh right all right let's do it
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right but this isn't a Toki Pona this isn't a Toki Pona lesson it's just something that I've been learning and I decided to kind of look into a bit more of constructed languages Mm -hmm. which is what Toki Pona is um and there's a lot of them too too many languages um so have you heard of like constructed languages or artificial languages
1: um Kinda. I mean, I can barely, barely deal with English at times. So yeah, both my parents are very good at languages, and I don't have that skill. So the fact that there's one with only 123 words, maybe I've got a chance now to be bilingual.
0: Yeah, I've always been really bad at languages. My my mother is great at languages. I think it's one of those things you have the brain for it, or you. Or you don't. Definitely. I've really been enjoying learning Toki Pona because I thought I would hate it because I hate languages, but it's really fun just thinking about how you phrase things. Mm-hmm. Because with only 123 words, like Telo is like liquid. Interesting. So it's like Telo Suli is like just big liquid, which is the ocean, but it's all about <laughs> perspective. Like it's really fun to translate it back. <laughs> Love it. Just
1: big liquid. <laughs>
0: Big liquid, yeah. It's just very simple. It's like why do you, why do you need big words? You don't you don't need if you don't need it. There's no Toki Pona for it. Yeah, true, true, true. Uh, like Yan Pona as well is just good person. Because why would a bad person be your friend? It's just simplifying everything. Oh, very oh. little grammar and there's no tenses at all. Mm-hmm. So past present. Uh, the word for me is the same as we. Uh, there's no word for left or right either. Just side. <laughs>
1: So the person that came up with it, why is it called that? What, Why is it that name for the language? Do you know?
0: Yeah, well, she she's a linguist and she kind of drew on a bunch of other languages. And Tokipona translates to uh, speak good or like the language of good. Oh, okay. So it's a very, it's it's a lovely language. And I basically just want more Tokipona speakers.
1: I mean, it's Pokemon characters, but... Yeah,
0: they do sound like very pokemon Yeah. A constructed language just basically means it, a language created by a person or a group, not invented. So English, Spanish, Japanese, they weren't invented by an individual person. It just evolved mm-hmm. over time. You can't really just invent a language, but a lot of people have have tried. And it's also important that these constructed languages, they're not just code words for things. Like Pig Latin is like not a constructed language because it's just a code. For English Right, like these, like they have their own grammar and pronunciation and structure, phonology. Mm-hmm. So I delved into the the world of uh, constructed languages, and it led me into weird small places of the
1: internet. <laughs> I love it. You said this was nerdy, <laughs> but I've got my blue glasses on, so let's, yeah, I'm all for it. You have different color glasses for oh, different no. types. Oh, so as in, um, blue lens glasses because of how many screens I look at. Ah, so
0: do they work? Because I've seen those before. I've heard of them. Do you notice a difference? You
1: know yeah, I've only had them for probably three weeks, but I definitely do notice a difference. When you take them off, you suddenly realize how bright and obnoxious a screen can be. So yeah, they've definitely helped. Some people wear them and they look very, you know, intelligent or they look kind of like a porn secretary, whereas I just look like someone called Mavis. But I'm all right with it.
0: I'm all right with it. No head. Lean into anything. it. Exactly. It's cool to be nerdy now. I know. Like Dungeons yeah. and Dragons was like a huge nerd thing, but now all the cool kids are playing D&D.
1: Yeah. Or like, is it Warhammer where like you paint the figurines and everything? Like that was always a bit of a weird niche thing when I was a kid. And that's like a huge business now. So.
0: Mm. Well, it's the exact same with constructed languages. I brought it back. So how is that for a. Yeah, Segway uh, a good Segue. <laughs> segue. Yeah. But it is true like the internet really made a revival of like making languages and then fr- but it used to be just very niche group and then from like I was hearing like from like 2015 kind of onward where it's, it's really
1: like opened up and everyone's making a language now it appears. So strange. I mean the only kind of constructed language I guess I'm thinking of is like is it Klingon? Yeah. Yeah, That's kind of when I would think of a constructed language where people kind of debate whether it's real or not and how many people speak it.
0: Well, Klingon is one of the, I was going to talk about this a bit at the end, but I may as well just jump, jump to it now. It's the biggest constructed language for like an artificial world. It's like one of the the biggest world. ones. Started off as like gobbledygook, essentially in like the 1979 version. Mm-hmm. And then they hired a linguist, Dr. Mark Ockrundt, to create authentic speech for Klingon and in 85 he created and published the Klingon dictionary and that's where you got speakers growing from it there was a Klingon language institute founded in 1992 oh my god where's that yeah it's based in America but it's like a world no like world wide kind of kind of thing uh you can read Hamlet in Klingon (laughs) I love this Wizard of Oz, The Art of War, various other texts have been translated into Klingon. I found, yeah, this is what I meant. I was in weird places of the internet (laughs) researching this.
1: a real big hole here, yeah.
0: Yeah, computational linguist, I think that's what it is, and KLI, that's the Klingon Language Institute (laughs) member, Dr. Armand Spears even tried to raise his child as a native Klingon speaker. Uh, And I think this is funny for a few reasons. Reason number one is that he wasn't even that big of a Star Trek fan, he was just a massive language fan. So the idea of it being like a constructive language is really cool. And number two is just how, well obviously he had his wife speak English to the child because he did research and he didn't want to mess up the kid's development.
1: Here's a language that none of your class members can speak.
0: Yeah, so until but until he was like three, he would only speak Klingon to his to his child, and the mom would speak English. Uh, But then, like it was kind of fun at first, and it was working. But then I think as he grew, like I think after three, he was just really not interested in Klingon because I guess that's not the language that TV shows are in, you know, or you can't talk to anyone else in it. You're not hearing it anywhere else. So that's the thing now that that kid has grown up and knows no Klingon yeah. at all
1: so it's that's such a shame I wonder if it's one of those things where he's like oh i only had kept with it because my dad speaks Urdu that's his first language and when I was a kid my parents started um using the language around me so that I could be bilingual but I just they just stopped my mum just said oh I don't know we just got out of the habit with it and we just spoke English all the time um so my mum's not from Pakistan she's um she's English and yes, I'm, I'm not bilingual. I was like, I could be huge in Bollywood right now. So yeah. With your kids, you can pick it up,
0: languages up much quicker. Yeah. And yeah. You always hear that from a lot of, I know a lot of uh, people who have parents that are fluent in other languages and they're like, why didn't you do this?
1: That's and the thing is Urdu. I mean, not only is it a different language, you've got a different alphabet, they go right mm. to left. Like that's a lot for me to have to try and learn in my late thirties. So um. Yeah, it's just not meant to be for me. It's not too late. It's not too late. I might just invent my own. I'll be like, I am bilingual. Just no one else can speak it. So
0: Learn Tokipona. Apparently it takes 30 hours to, be, to master the language. Is that it?
1: 30 hours?
0: Yeah, well, there's only 123 words. There's essentially, like the grammar is very simple. The hardest bit is just questions.
1: There's definitely still enough time in lockdown to master this.
0: Yeah, it's kind of, be that's what it's become. It's become a Me and My Housemates lockdown project. We bought the book and we do a lesson every, like, every couple of days. You're like, okay, next lesson. Just a couple of vocab. Brilliant. <laughs> I've noticed with togi saying there's some people that just don't get it. They're like, why would you learn a language that hardly anyone speaks? It's like, it's it's, it's not about that. It's about a state
1: of being. <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> it's not a not mind. Exactly. I can express myself in less words than you can. Yeah, and do you? Really needed, or sometimes we're talking. We're like, we wouldn't have this problem in Toki
0: Pona. Yeah, know, it's point quicker exactly. Thinking about what things mean to you. Back to liquid, you know, if it's uh <laughs> if it's like you know alcohol, mm. maybe you're having a great time. It'd be Telo Wawa, which would be like confident liquid.
1: Amazing.
0: <laughs> but then the next day, when you're hungover, it could be Telo Ika, which is bad liquid. <laughs>
1: It's just about your, your state of mind. Yeah. So how many people speak this language?
0: Oh, I mean, it's hard to know. Uh, According to a quick Google search, like a hundred people, but it has, like a lot of these conlangs, it has like a, a big online presence. Like there's a Reddit form. There's a Reddit page with like 5,000 users and like a Facebook discord. Um, Good few people. I think it's become bigger in, in lockdown.
1: Yeah. Not surprised. Yeah,
0: I discovered this book by a woman named Archa Ocarant called In the Land of Invented Languages. And in it, she has a list of 500 like invented languages. What's oh, so it like? Wow. It, there's significantly more than that, though. Uh, it's just because, you know, it's impossible to know how much. Uh, there's also a conversation of like what counts as a language like how
1: full does it need to be yeah yeah yeah, yeah. what's the uh, is is there a like a, a criteria
0: yeah like you know I could just sit down and like create something in like five minutes and be like that's a language you know how do yeah. we decide uh I, I very I was such a loser but I remember me and my friend when we were in like when we were like 13, came up with like code words. <laughs> and when I think about it, it was actually like quite bitchy, you know, not bitchy, but like being able to talk about people in front of people.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember my, my friends, there was always like a nickname code word for like a boy that they yes, might fancy. That's what we had to. <laughs> and if I was just a bit late to the party and didn't really know that was the code word, I'd be thinking like, why are they talking about walkers crisps all the time or why are they talking about um i don't know dog lead or something like i just wouldn't realize it was because they were chatting about the boy in the room had no idea very exclusionary yeah
0: i remember flower was the code name for the boy that i fancied i can't remember the one for the name my friend fancied
1: it's funny isn't it just like yeah like what that works we'll do that
0: now yeah window was friend And funnel was funny. So we would say you're a funnel window. You're a funny friend. I was a very cool 13 year old. (laughs) I kind of want to use that. You're such a funnel window. Funnel window. Funnel window. (laughs) Well, maybe we'll bring it back. Who who knows? (laughs) But yeah, so she constructed this list from like an old Russian document from like, with like 900 languages. I say old, it was like 1990. And she also added more languages in it. And the book was only written in twenty ten, which is. Mm-hmm. But there is still a lot more languages have been invented since since
1: then. Is it always like linguistic um, experts who are creating these languages, or do you ever just get like Joe blogs and he's like, you know what, I've done my research. Here is my new language.
0: You get you get both, but the, the people that are like some people just have it as hobbyists, but everyone has to look into it because it's not just about, you know a lexicon like words it's about developing grammar but even like how you speak mm-hmm. you know like a language could just you know sign language that's a language it's all a language yeah. of gestures um or for particularly like Klingon they like trying to move the mouth in certain ways like it's very glottal. you know um ah. different languages use different parts of the of the mouth mm-hmm. um, um I was in Iceland a couple of years ago and there are just certain names or, or places that I just I I couldn't say, and I hated that I couldn't say it just because my my voice wasn't trained to to move in
1: that way. Absolutely the same. Yeah, three weeks ago this week, uh, three years ago this week actually, I was in Iceland, and so many places I'd be like, well, uh, no, I don't know how to pronounce that. I'll just say cathedral, because yeah, just completely different way of um writing words, and yeah, also with languages, it's the rhythm as well. Yeah um because isn't it russian is like the opposite to us in the way that they structure a sentence so english when it's played backwards sounds like russian because of the way the rhythm's like the opposite so yeah you'd have to think about all those things with a new language
0: yeah so exactly so you're thinking about rhythm you're thinking of like loads of stuff and it would be if not linguists the the kind of joe blogs would be using various sites that explain this there's graphs uh a lot of them do develop their own script, their own um, way of writing, mm. and I think a lot of people have a lot of a lot of f- fun with it. It's really hard to tell when the first artificial language was. It seems to me that as long as there was language, there were people that were deciding they could make their own better language. Mm-hmm. Um, and the internet, as I was saying before, like the internet, really created a huge boom in creating languages as it did with a, a lot of things. I did an episode a while ago about micronations and it feels like a very similar sphere of the the world. Yeah, People just deciding I can make a country, I can make a language, I can uh,
1: yeah, do all this stuff. Yeah, I think the more that people connect, the more that people think that they can uh, make changes, have more control over things. And I guess you can like, in a for lack of a better word, you can recruit more people. Yeah, to like follow your plan. Like that's kind of what happened with Toki
0: Pona. Is she she kind of p- published it on the internet, and it kind of just got picked up by like an online community, and just has kind of grown. Yeah, um, it's actually very funny. Like, um, like on, I was like looking off the Reddit page, and there was people like, oh, I translated these list of army commands into Toki Pona. was like that's not the point of Toki Pona. <laughs> <laughs> like, You're really not listening to the point, you know, like I love Toki Pono, but it's not meant it's not a language. It's like, it's meant to just be a, I know, like a mind, like promote mindful, mindfulness. Mm -hmm. Sounds like I've joined a cult.
1: (laughs) I was going to say, yeah, because in my mind, I'm thinking I'd like to learn 123 words and then see what jokes I can make up. But it doesn't sound like that's what it's for. It sounds like, yeah, it's sort of, to give you ways of expressing who you are and where you are in a given moment.
0: Well, it's actually perfect for jokes. It's, and that's one reason that it grew is at uh, the meme culture. I've discovered loads of Toki Pona oh. memes because loads of words have multiple
1: meanings. Yeah, right. So, so if, you, if you write puns, you are golden.
0: Yeah, it's perfect, perfect for puns, and it's it's also just kind of fun to figure out like how how would you say something because there's no wrong way to say words like how how would you say like a a cat or a dog because there's only the word for land animal, sky animal and sea animal. <laughs> <laughs> so you could say like like so how would you say like a pet? Would you say like house animal or would you say like house friend animal or
1: good you know animal trying to warn somebody of something. There's I don't know, there's um a giant tiger on the loose. It <laughs> was like land animal. Land <laughs> animal is all I can tell you. It needs to
0: be like big land animal behind <laughs> you. Like it's it's just caveman speak. It's just like simple, simplified like, yeah. caveman speak.
1: You'd end up in doing like Pictionary just to try and get the point across.
0: I know. I, th- I think it's cool. Basically, if anyone wants to learn Tokupona, af- like after lockdown, we'll all jo- find the Tokupona
1: conventions. <laughs> when should <laughs> you get the book just like off Amazon? Yeah. Love it. Love it. Never, like, yeah, never heard of that ever before.
0: You know, I'm a grown woman and I'm learning a code language with my friend, like, reminds me of being back in school.
1: This is 2020, (laughs) people. Yeah, exactly. So, um... It's 2021. (laughs) How dare you question whether I know the date. Um, (laughs) No, I assume, no, that's the thing. I assumed it was, you were learning this while everyone else back last year was learning how to make sourdough. Yeah, well, we only
0: started a couple of weeks ago, so we're about halfway, halfway through. Wow. And I'm really bad at languages, but I'm finding it really easy because it's very phonetic. Oh, I should also say that there's only, what is it, like 14 letters are used as well. Oh, okay.
1: So is it spelt
0: with our alphabet? It's spelt with our alphabet, but there are symbols that we're not going to bother using for each word. Mm-hmm. I should probably just stop giving, writing a love letter about Toki Pona. <laughs> I wanted to do a whole episode about Toki Pona. And then I'm like, well, that doesn't really fall into what I'm doing. So I'm like, constructed languages in general. And I will.
1: There we go. But no, you sound very convinced that this is um, a well well chosen hobby. It's just very fun to think of how you would say things. Yeah. If uh, less words, so how are you? Yeah, you have to go back to basics to describe something. It's like drawn from
0: like. Uh, Buddhist and like mindfulness principles so instead of if you've like loads of racing complex thoughts in your head if you train your brain to think in Toki sometimes it's just like no I, I, I am good good liquid I good that. as you drink your coffee yeah <laughs> it's good animal as you pet your cat <laughs> I don't need all these
1: thoughts <laughs> that's so interesting because yeah I love words and I love the fact that there are so many different meanings from words and changing one word in a sentence can absolutely change the meaning. But Mm. sometimes, yeah, your brain is just crowded. And if you can simplify your language of how you express yourself and kind of define yourself, that is quite, yeah, therapeutic.
0: Yeah. And it's also, you know, if it only takes 30 hours to learn, there's the argument that, you know, if everyone just learns Toki Pona, you would have a few words of communication globally. Yeah. You know, you might go to Japan and have no Japanese, but you'll meet a person that learned
1: Toki Pona and you'll be like, yes. Well, this is the thing. I do like the idea of the fact that I hope that in your future, you're just going to like drop one of the words into a sentence and just see if anyone around you is like, I'm one of you. I know what you meant.
0: Yeah. Uh, Well, I do have on my Tinder profile, uh, speak Toki Pona
1: to me (laughs) to impress me. Is there like a word you would love somebody to like slide into your DMs with and be like, "Yeah, this is what I'm going to say to you." Uh
0: to be, to be honest, I hate anyone sliding into my DMs. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, you know, I felt dirty just saying it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should, I should not be on on dating profiles. What's Just it's just a lockdown thing of like you have to open up Tinder every
1: now and again. Oh, everyone did it. Yeah, everyone did it. Like I said, making sourdough and making bad decisions on Tinder. That's what everyone did yeah. last year. <laughs> Sorry, no, bad decisions. Maybe
0: both at the same time. Who knows? What exactly? So one of the main goals of a lot of these con- like artificial languages is kind of, I kind of touched on it there with Toki Pona, but this idea of there being like a global universal language, mm-hmm. kind of the idea of like everyone has their main language, but then a secondary language is also taught, which is very easy to, to learn or not very complex in grammar, yeah, The most successful of those is something called Esperanto. Have you ever heard of that? Yes, I have heard of that,
1: but could not tell you much more than the fact I've heard of it.
0: it yes, definitely the most su- successful constructed language ever, probably.
1: It goes e- Esperanto and then Klingon. Oh my god. <laughs> like in terms There's of like... state of the human race right there. <laughs> That's how you describe us.
0: Yeah. Um, it was created by a linguist, uh, Ludovic Zamenhof in 1887 with quite the like idealistic view that it would unite the world. He was really gunning for world peace his whole life which I kind of appreciate.
1: The irony though that he, he then went into a century with two world wars.
0: Yeah, oh. yeah. Well, and that's kind of part of the reason why Esperanto didn't really take off or we don't really know why. Um but he yeah, he was from Biel'sostok which is now Poland then the Russian Empire. And where he lived, there was kind of a clash of four cultures. So you had people speaking Yiddish, you had people speaking German, you had people speaking Polish, and you had people speaking Russian. So he kind of grew up seeing the conflict. Right. And he just thought, well, if everyone had this one language, we wouldn't fight and there would be world peace. Yeah. So, yeah. So he made Esperanto. Basically, his idea was everyone learns their language. And then they also learn Esperanto from mm-hmm. a young age. And then this should be the language that we use in politics, in media, in world meetings, and the lo- language of science as well. So people wouldn't, you know, we could all share things, which is a nice, nice idea. Um, it's derived mostly from European and Slavic root words. Mm-hmm. And if you hear it, you know, it kind of sounds kind of Italian, but also kind of German. It's, it's very weird to, to hear. Similar to Tokipona, it's all phonetic. Right. And it has very simple fixed grammar with no irregular verbs whatsoever. So it would be really easy to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the name comes from a pseudonym, uh, Mr. Esperanto, which is what he used to publish his international language, which translates to Mr. Hopeful, which I think is just adorable. Oh, um, he had to use a code word because when he published it, it was um, severe censorship of Jewish people. And he was Jewish. Right. And he would actually spend a lot of his life actually separating himself from Esperanto because he knew his Jewishness would hinder its success. Which People
1: wouldn't like, take it seriously. Oh my God. Do you know what? I can't tell if, if, if he's just very naive or whether he just had the, the answer to everything. Like that is such a nice solution that, yeah, if we could, cause that's often why arguments happen. You misunderstand what somebody else is saying yeah what they mean so to have this universal language especially that would be spoken for politics and for science and for communication between nations and everything maybe that would have helped us all just start from the same page i like the idea mr hopeful
0: yeah it's uh, yeah it's like like really good idea in 1908 the universal esperanto association was established He even had an Esperanto flag and an Esperanto national anthem for some weird reason.
1: Amazing. Love it.
0: (laughs) But even before that, you know, they were holding international congress meetings starting from like 1905. And it was attracting individuals from all over the world. There was a campaign to make Esperanto the official language of League of Nations events. Mm -hmm. And he was even trying to establish an Esperanto-speaking state to be known as Amico. I hope I'm saying that right. Which means
1: friendship place, which is also adorable. (laughs) He just found so cute. I'm just like, like literally making it derivative that I'm just moving it all down to the word cute. But he sounds lovely.
0: Yeah, no, it's like as I said, it's a really nice idea from really good places. Yeah. And like many Esperantists, Esperantists started teaching (laughs) the language to their children and creating like generations of kids who grew up speaking Esperanto. Mm -hmm. He passed away in 1917 at the age of 57 from heart failure. And honestly, this was probably a, a good thing because I like... You know, World War. It was just after. It was kind of towards the end of World War One when he passed away. But World War Two um, was particularly nasty towards Jewish people, and yeah. especially Esperanto. His early death also stopped him from seeing the death of his kids, who were all killed by Nazis. So I'm kind of like, you know what, Mister Hopeful, I'm kind of happy you died early because you didn't need to. You don't. You didn't need to suffer through World War Two.
1: No. Oh, he obviously just had. He obviously was just somebody that was trying to put humanity first, and yeah. I want to know more about him now. He's going to be in my Google search after this. He's
0: very, very interesting, very interesting guy and very intelligent as well. Like, both his parents were linguists. He wrote an entire, like, five-act play, I think, when he was only 10. Like,
1: no. Oh, my gosh.
0: In Mein Kampf, Esperanto yeah. is mentioned as the language of the Jews, as, like, a sneaky way for Jewish people to gain power. So Esperanto, like... It's hard to know why it didn't succeed, but partly due to World War I and World War II, also partly due to English kind of taking more of a global presence and becoming mm-hmm. the kind of dominant language in a lot of ways. And also Esperanto is very Eurocentric. So to, in order to be a global yeah. language, it very much focuses on European languages. But there's still a lot of Esperanto believers. In recent years, the internet has made a new boom as well. Uh, You can learn it in Duolingo as of 2015.
1: Oh, okay. Again, another app that everyone downloaded last year, so...
0: Yeah. There is an estimated 2 million speakers of Esperanto with a couple hundred native-speaking Esperanto families. Mm -hmm. Over 30,000 books in Esperanto have been published. There is an annual World Esperanto Congress. In the 60s, two feature films were made. Uh, We're bringing it back to Star Trek because there was one in 1966 starring William Shatner, all in Esperanto. The man's a living legend. I'm (laughs) not even surprised. It was called Incubus, if anyone's interested, which also included cinematography from Conrad Hall, who would do the cinematography on American Beauty
1: and Butch Cassidy
0: in The Sundance
1: Kid. She's just gone very, very kind of um, six steps of separation. I love this.
0: Yeah, like Esperanto is still pretty, like, there's still a huge community for it. Mm -hmm. Although dreams of it becoming a a global language are kind of more or less dead, there's a huge group of people that believe it should be taught to kids not to speak to each other, but just because it's very easy to learn. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, if you learn a language, like exactly what you were saying about what we were saying at the start about having a language when you're younger, yeah, the idea is if you teach kids an easy language that is more fun and straightforward, then their yeah. brain will be better developed to learn other languages. So they've done studies. Yeah, they've done studies with kids where they taught them Esperanto for two years and then French for three years, and they were just as good as French as the students that were studying French for five years.
1: This is the thing as well that so many um, children in pretty much majority of other countries, mainly Europe though, they learn a second language when they are like five. Mm. Whereas we don't start till we're we're in secondary school, which is 11. And then you might start your second foreign language in year eight. So then you're 12. And by then your brain isn't f- fired in that way to be able to pick up those new languages. Whereas, yeah, if we were five and six and learning it in infant school, I think we'd be like as up with being bilingual with other countries? Mm.
0: Well, I I went to an all Irish primary school. So I was learning like a second language when I was like five or four Mm because I went to a nursery school as well. But my language skill is still not great. So I went to an all Irish school but I just didn't know what was happening like 80% of the time.
1: <laughs> right. yeah. And also you were too busy making up your own words like a uh, funnel window. So um... but that was when I went to secondary school and I had friends to make code words with. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to,
0: didn't have friends when I was pre-teen, like as a child. <laughs> <to> oh, make... <laughs> you've just created such a little sad image for me. Oh, no, but isn't, I thought that was everyone who
1: does anything in comedy. <laughs> That is true. We are all just lonely people wanting connection. So, yeah, I just didn't want to tar myself with the same brush. But you're right. You're right. Yeah, no. A friend
0: of mine was saying that improv in particular is just all of the adults
1: that were
0: bullied as teenagers or had no friends in school.
1: Like 25 years later, I know what I would have said back then. (laughs) I'm going to show.
0: Sure, that's uh, what improv is, isn't it? It's uh, role-playing being being cool when you're younger you're just like this is what I would have done really? cosplaying this
1: is what was would have done back then very cathartic cosplaying having friends is all of improv scenes I love that that's hilarious <laughs> that's so good um,
0: so yeah so that's Esperanto and as I said his is the best language like the most successful universal language Mm -hmm. but there have been hundreds and I mean hundreds and hundreds of people who are trying to do the exact same thing um which is close to impossible to do you know yeah Esperanto did pretty well but it's close to impossible for to just get everyone speaking in a language instantaneously you know it's you have to have a culture for it
1: it grows it feels feels like at least a generation will go by before your your language will be kind of accepted and and put forward because there's just so many things you'd have to go through to get it even listened to and kind of put your case for it. yeah I can't you know I'd see it would yeah even 10 years would be like very quick I see it as a generation thing
0: yeah and it you know these conlangs do evolve like Esperanto has a you know it's over 100 years old now and you know that
1: has evolved uh Klingon has evolved <laughs> that's never gonna stop that is always, that's going to be absolutely, like space that will keep on expanding. Yeah.
0: One thing that I find interesting is like the people that create these universal languages are mm. often very weird and eccentric. And they're often known for other bizarre things, not just their weird language.
1: Go for it. Couple,
0: we uh, well, we have this Pauline Gang, the French creator of Monopangalosset. in 1858 he created this he believed the people of France should donate their bodies and ergo lives to Algiers for the famine there and if not that then just like a limb or two
1: (laughs) which didn't work plan didn't work can you imagine that town council meeting it's like your entire body failing that a, a hand would do an odd foot an arm you're not using it come on uh, but he was dead serious just like
0: oh we should all just like donate an arm to these famine-stricken countries <laughs>
1: <laughs> I wonder if I would like that suggestion more if mr hopeful had said it maybe if that bloke had more of a, a cute little name maybe I I'd think... be like oh, actually that's quite a good idea when you think about it
0: yeah yeah uh we also had jo- i'm saying all these names wrong but usually I' try and like research pronunciation of things yeah. correctly but with this there's just so many and they're all like uh, I did my <laughs> my yeah, brain was just hurting.
1: That's all we can ask. And that <laughs> do disclaimer saying it's probably not correct. It's probably not correct. Uh,
0: Joseph Schwifter, um, who created communication sprock in eighteen thirty-nine. <laughs> <laughs> <That's hilarious. laughs> well, he was eighty when he created this and he spent a lot of his life campaigning tirelessly to, to stop people being buried alive which I just think is really funny because that wasn't really a thing that was happening it was just like a myth that people were being buried alive yeah it
1: sounds like he's he's either absolutely over dramatized a one-off yeah exactly or he's just preempting, or he's just had a very very unfortunate time where he just knows too many people that it's happened to. Or he just has a fear and is just trying to... Or or he's, yes, he's just worried it will happen to him. So he's like, well, that's what my life's mission is, to make sure that I'm dead when I'm dead. Every
0: now and again, there's like a movement for Mm -hmm. some cause. And you're like, yeah, that's kind of important, but that doesn't really happen. (laughs) There are other places to... Yeah,
1: that's a very niche thing that you're trying to get global acknowledgement for. Um, But good on you. You keep going. Yeah. Uh, One thing that is also
0: quite funny with most of these people that invent language is, especially at global languages, is they believe that their language is like perfectly logical and are like frustrated that theirs isn't being used globally when like English is. It's like, but my language makes much much more sense.
1: I mean, again, that just sounds like being a comedian. (laughs) My jokes are hilarious. I don't know why I'm not on Live at the Apollo. I don't know why everyone doesn't love me. Yeah. Um, Ben Prist
0: created this language called Vela in the 90s. And he has a couple of quotes, which I just think are just so like, you can just tell he's so full of himself. Like my language is the best. Why aren't we allowed to have the easiest language possible? (laughs) He's He's got a point. It goes on. Is this democracy? Is this human? Where are our human rights? What is going to be
1: prohibited next? Best soup? Best cakes? best clothes, best cars or wash. That's like one of those memes where you see like Mr. G from Summer Heights High when he just like, right, that's it. I'm leaving. I'm out of here. I'm gone. Do you know what I mean, he's had one no too many and he's just right. Well, no best soup. No best suit. I'm done. Yeah. These people, they all seem yeah. to think like my language is the best. Why aren't we all speaking it? Like why? No humility, not humble at all. Not taking it. For what it is, just absolute diva Yeah,
0: and there's so many of them, so many of them. So, like talked about, there's a huge spike in Konglangs, as the community calls it, in the internet. I love that the Konglang. Yeah, if you create a language, you're a Konglanger.
1: Oh, I mean, of course.
0: <laughs> just a funny word. Of course, <laughs> that's, that's just brilliant. In <laughs> as yeah, well. there's loads of Konglangers on online, but language inventing was also a 17th century intellectual fad. It seems like everyone kind of intellectual was like creating their own language. Ah. Uh, scientists and philosophers at the time were complaining that like language obscured thinking. And if we just think, well, there's a point to that. You know, there's a lot of theories, you know, like a language that is more poetic or there's language that's more direct and how grammar really plays part in your your thinking. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's kind of like, well, if we can change language then we can think more logically. Yeah, that does make sense. Um, That absolutely
1: does make sense. Um, I don't know how I
0: feel about it though. Yeah, more boastfulness from, this is from uh, the 17th century. So it dates, it's not just Ben Priss in the 90s. It's all the way back. (laughs) This guy, uh, Sir Thomas Oekhrantz of Commerty. This is what he says about his language. He's talking about his language. A most exquisite jewel, more precious than diamonds encased in gold. The like whereof was never seen in any age.
1: Yes, I would say that um, he's. Yeah, there is a lot of uh, poetry going on with the way that he talks. Yeah,
0: this isn't to do with anything, but he died la- from laughing too hard at the news that Charles II had been restor- restored to the f- throne.
1: Not to do with anything. I just thought that was funny. <laughs> what a way to go! Just la- that's like um, the character from Mary Poppins. Yeah, the one that he... He can't stop laughing so he just rises up to the ceiling what a weird and not even just oh he w- he was laughing himself to death here's what he was laughing about yeah and that's the thing that's overshadowed everything else he's done because everyone's going to make that comment because you did you loved knowing that you died from laughing too much
0: there is also here's another 17th century let's make a language cave beck his was one that abandoned all letters and replaced them with numbers instead and even gave pronunciation to all the numbers so like 7 is pronounced sen <laughs>
1: oh yeah I mean I think my main question is just why why bother it was a
0: fad everyone was everyone's doing it
1: I mean there's a part of me that just sort of feels like really the universal language that we all have at our fingertips is literally emojis like why do we not all just talk in emojis maybe you know that's what political statements need to be written in it's more written though I mean, you know, how would, how would you speak emoji? Um, well, we, we wouldn't have to hear them as much. So to be honest, it's a win-win situation. They could literally just put the emojis up on the screen. We just all, yeah. all look on our screens, um, no community. Well, I mean, saying that, when I, if ever I use Siri on my phone um, and you ask it to call somebody, I've got emojis next to people's names. So it'll say something like, calling Sophie. Dancing girl lipstick. <laughs> um, so maybe that is just, that's how we'd have to hear it. But we know that lipstick means something more.
0: I know that there is emoji dick, which is Moby Dick all in emojis, that has been published.
1: Oh, well, I've got um, I've got a Pride and Prejudice all in emojis. Why? So y- why, why? Why have I got it? Um, why? It's because um, I'm obsessed with Jane Austen, and my friend thought it was a quirky present. Um, yeah, I understand what what you're asking. <laughs> what is the point? Um, but do you know what? I like to think Jane Austen would have been down with that. I think that she was ahead of her times. She would have been like, absolutely, emoji away,
0: emoji away. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. In saying that, think how many
1: texts we've probably received in our lives, and it's got an emoji, and you question it, and you read all the different interpretations of why that person sent that emoji so maybe actually it's not as black and white as i think i've
0: grown i've grown out of it now but i used to uh, be an awful offender of the sticky outy tongue emoji for everything <laughs> all the time before there was like universal emojis across phones where it was just like the colons and the p like i would yeah, make- <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah
1: well um there's one that i always use and then my friend used it and said oh i'm sorry i've used that one it looks like it looks like i'm pushing you it looks like somebody's just pushed, whereas I always thought it was jazz hands. So now I can't look at it in the same way. And I was like, yeah, I see your interpretation now. So, um, yeah, maybe actually it's not as foolproof as mm-hmm. I thought. It's all, it's all
0: about in- interpretation. The history it of is. emojis is also, is also very interesting. I don't know that much about it, but um, I know people that do. And maybe that's something I'll look into. Yeah. I just love that there's a committee of people that decide, you know, on emojis. Yes. And it's very funny because they do loads of other
1: stuff, but they hate that that's what they're known for. Of course they're going to be known for that. Because I'll be honest, I'm one of those people that when it says, oh, there's an update on your phone. And I'm like, yeah, but if I update it, what am I going to get? If it says new emojis, I'm like, and download. I want, I, I got excited the other day that there was um, a rollerblade um, emoji. I don't even rollerblade, but I was excited for it.
0: But it's interesting, like with symbols, there's like a whole study of science. I can't remember the name of it but it's basically trying to figure out pictures to put on where they bury nuclear waste because they have to make it future proof. So future proofing Uh, things. Yes. So how do you make it so people will know don't dig here? Because what if in the future people read from right to left? What if in the future, you know, this symbol actually means this?
1: Hmm. These are just things I've never thought about. Because in my mind, maybe it's a bit arrogant, but in my mind, I'm like, yeah, but It'll be fine because it will either not change, the symbol won't change from what we use now, or we'll just be really clever and make sure that everyone in the future knows. But how are we going and to do how? that? Yeah, exactly. All these things I just never think about. Really mm. interesting point.
0: So, one of my favorite conlangers of the 17th century intellectual fad was this guy named John Wilkins, and he made it the furthest of these languages. Um, he cr- wanted to create a universal language for philosophy and science, mm-hmm. so basically to use in the academic field. He was an Anglican clergyman and philosopher and lover of all things scientific. He was also known for helping out great scientists at the time and apparently had a role in all the great discoveries, such, such as his buddies, uh, Robert Hooke. <laughs> you, have you ever heard of a thing called Hooke's Law?
1: Oh, no, I have.
0: Yeah, it's physics. Yeah. So he's like Bezies with uh, Robert Hooke. Robert Boyle from Boyle's Law. What a crew. Robert Hooke from Hooke's Law. And Robert Boyle. John Ray. Christopher Wren. I don't know any of these people, but I think if people are into physics and mathematics, they're like, oh, yeah, that guy. Just imagine
1: them entering a tavern. Just be like, boys are here. Look at him.
0: Yeah. And what I think is really interesting about this guy is his own inventions... And his own, like, theories didn't really get a huge leg up. Mm -hmm. Like, his suggestions led to pioneering work in blood transfusions and skin graftings. Wow. So he was, like, kind of just a helper. He was known for not being jealous. So I think that's good. He seems like a good guy.
1: Yeah, somebody else trying to help the everyman and the future.
0: He seemed kind of amazing. Like, it was actually, it was kind of one of those things that I found out a couple of facts about him towards the end of my research and I was like I should have just done a whole episode on John Wilkins (laughs) because his own experiments were much more on the practical domestic side so you know you have these guys doing these huge breakthroughs in like like discovering gravity and like naming gravity and all these things and he's here trying to think of the most effective way to embroider things or the quickest way to roast meat. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So he was known for kind of taking these complex science and turning it into practical experimentation. He would do like a rainbow producing fountain. He made an elaborate glass beehive.
1: I just love the
0: fact he's dancing to the beat of his own drum. He built a hollowed out statue for playing jokes on people, you know, kind of. (laughs) (laughs) That prankster. But here's the thing. I literally just found out about this. And I was like, this is, I could have done a whole episode about this. But he was trying he was trying to go to the moon in like 1640.
1: Oh, love him.
0: You know, he had these fancy full of ideas about like using like magnets and like an open chariot to like shoot up into the moon. <laughs> and these dreams were more or less destroyed when uh, the two Bobs, Robert Hooke and Robert Boyle, did experiments that proved that space was actually a vacuum and people would die if they went up there. <laughs> Don't need to rain on your parade, mate. But it's not going to happen. As well as there being like very different gravity up there, like he believed like gravity up there was the same as gravity down here. That like atmosphere, because it. But he had no reason to believe otherwise. And then his mates were like, "Lads, I just discovered uh, these vacuums and
1: (laughs) (laughs) got some news. You're not going to like. You need to sit down.
0: And funniest. I mean, I shouldn't laugh but it's pretty, pretty awful, but pretty hilarious, is his universal analytical language. He had been working on it for 10 years and it was in the printers, about to be printed. Yeah. And it got destroyed by the Great Fire of London. No! <laughs> All his work. What are the odds? Because <laughs> you'd be like, mate, did you make
1: a copy? No. Nope.
0: No. <laughs> A lot of stuff got destroyed in the Great Fire. Like he, it wasn't just that. He lost a lot of his work and experiments and not just him. I think a lot of people lost a lot of stuff in the Great Fire of London. That's why it's
1: called the Great Fire of London. Because it was, was, yeah, it wasn't piddly. Wow. Oh, he just couldn't catch a break. (laughs)
0: That's so funny though. Like 10 years of work at the print. Like no one had read it yet. Like it was at the printers to be created. It's, you know,
1: it was. Nothing can stand in my way. And then someone just drops a match and that's it. Oh. (sighs) It's just like, if it had been published, at least other people would have read it. Conspiracy theory. What if that language would have been the language that would have united all of us? But I don't know, the government, monarchy, didn't want it out, had to move no. it somehow, have to. Well, <laughs> he did
0: keep working on it afterwards. Oh, that's did. nice, it didn't deter him. On his deathbed in 1672, he said that his only regret was not seeing the completion of his language. but it would never get more complete than that he had like a 600 page language description of it Mm -hmm. so that exists and his mates kind of tried to keep for a push for it he wanted it to be like the language that was used in the
1: king but nothing really came of it it reminds me of that episode of friends where um ross loses his uh presentation because chandler gets a virus on his computer and it's just oh yeah they're in barbados yeah it just feels you know sort of he was so close. And whatever you, you know, he would just had to sit down there and be like, right, what did I say? What did I write in the last 10 years? I mean, that is like, it's sad.
0: It's sad. It's sad. But it's also just like, right, everything's done. It's off to the printers now. What could go wrong? Whole city cat is on fire for three days
1: or four days. I mean, you've got to fill the world out to get you. You particularly.
0: Yeah, similar to Zamenhof, who did Esperanto, is like I like this guy, you know. So that's why him and Zamenhof get like particular mentions because they just seem like good people yeah. with good ideas. Yeah. You know, the fact that he was one of the few scientists at the time that wasn't about competition. He just he was just interested in science and just interested in going to the moon.
1: I mean, thing is though, you have got to dream big. You gotta dream you've big. got to dream big. Dream big. Yes, I I like his I like his um his. Devil make I don't know if I should say devil make hair didn't you say he was a clergyman but um yeah. it's just you know let's let's see what happens
0: i just love that image of him like spending years like doodling different ways to get to the moon and then um you know robert hook from being like man so i just did this i've just discovered uh, a
1: <laughs> vacuum <laughs> I've just- that has got to be one sad <laughs> evening just going to bed knowing that oh, old hooky he's he's right yeah. And sorry to break it to you. That's so sorry. You know that they all chatted about it beforehand. Who's gonna tell him? Can you be there <laughs> tell him? we're gonna have to have a real night out afterwards to cheer him up? Yeah.
0: They're at like a, a science meeting and he's there talking about his ideas and they're all just there like oh I'm not gonna do oh, who's gonna do it? <laughs> That's
1: oh these two men, honestly, they have pulled on my, my heartstrings.
0: So yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of all I'm going to talk about in regards to like, as I said, there's so much, but it's more or less the same kind of stories of just people being like, I'm going to invent a language that's going to catch on and everyone's going to speak it because it's so intelligent and then it doesn't catch on and then they die. Yeah, you know, it's-
1: <laughs> It fizzles out and they die. That literally mm-hmm. seems to be the way it goes. Today, there's a whole online community
0: for conlangers. In 2007, the Language Creation Society was founded so you can go there. They had their conference on a live stream two weeks ago that I watched myself oh, <laughs> I wish we'd done this earlier. If I had known. You can still watch the live stream. Um, just people that are really into languages and like the phonetics of it all. Hmm. Um, so there, you know, there's tools for writing your own language and you can hire someone to write a language for you.
1: Oh, I don't know how I feel about that. If you're going to write one, do it yourself. Don't get a good writer for your own language. You know, you say that, but, you know,
0: this is what they did for um, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones went to these people. Oh, yeah. David, yeah, David J. Peterson developed the languages for Game of Thrones, uh, most notably Dothraki. Did you watch Game of Thrones?
1: Um, I kind of stopped halfway through, but what you're saying does make sense to me. And Mm. yeah, that absolutely is legit. I can see then why you would hire somebody to come up with a language like that i thought if you if you just meant right i want my own language i want to be known for it but i cannot be bothered to put in the work so well, you can do that too you could do that as well but yeah if it's for a tv show or something what a cool job yeah george
0: rr R. martin created the language in his novels but you know that wasn't really counted as like a, a conlang lang until the tv show because it was fleshed out into an entire full language then. Dorthraki and I think there's another couple of ones that he also created.
1: So it's actually Klingon where people are learning it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah.
0: But not not as big as Klingon in terms of, of speakers. Mm-hmm. But then it's much newer. I was
1: going to say, uh, yeah, it needs to get impetus. Yeah. It needs to um keep growing.
0: Yeah. And this, this guy, David Peterson, is just mad into languages. And he's hired to do this for a lot of stuff. Like he... For movies like Thor, Ragnarok is probably the other big known one. He has loads of
1: YouTube videos, how to create your own language. When you think about it, like in Doctor Who, so many times, the aliens... I mean, it's meant to be that the TARDIS allows you to be able to understand every language. But before it kicks in, you've got the aliens talking. So yes, somebody's got to come up with that. Yeah.
0: The difference is, I mean, going back to like Klingon, you know, at the start, it was kind of gibberish and kind of sounds and stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's not a full a full language yeah you know like even yeah. like i played a lot of the sims when i was younger and there's a language in that simlish which is just like gobbledygook but that's not a language because there's not a direct lexicon i mean there's rules to the language and there's you would hire linguists to work on that but what's interesting about them getting james peterson to come on is they actually developed a fully functioning language that you can learn if you wanted to similar with what happened with Klingon after those initial movies it
1: all starts somewhere I mean yeah a caveman grunting has now turned into this eloquent language I'm using right now so um yeah it all starts somewhere
0: we also have um do you uh, you remember that great film Avatar by James Cameron (laughs)
1: Uh, The blue one, yeah. The blue
0: one. He wanted Avatar to be as rich as possible, so he hired Paul Frommer to create Navi. He hired someone to create a whole full language that people have developed on, and you can learn that too.
1: I mean, you do you, Boo. Like, go for it. If you want to learn Avatar, go for it. I love how into Avatar James Cameron is. I mean, he's, he's just trying to get that heady heights of Titanic fame again, so... But he has all the scripts
0: for like, apparently there's like Avatar 2 is coming out and also Avatar 3 is coming out and Avatar 4. And it's like, do people, do people want this? (laughs) (laughs) Just because we can,
1: does it mean we should? Um,
0: Yeah, like probably one of the most well-known kind of, or at least the start of these fictional languages Mm -hmm. as opposed to the world languages is uh, J.R.R. Tolkien and Lord of the Rings. Yeah. You Lord of the
1: Rings fan? I'm going to be honest with you. What I'm going to say is quite flippant, but I do also mean it. I'm not really into fantasy books because I'm not really into books that have got maps at the front. <laughs> that sounds very flippant, but it's just, yeah, I've, I've never really been into fantasy books. I think literally Harry Potter is as fantasy as I'll go. Yeah, I wasn't even that sort of into watching the films of Lord of the Rings. I, I feel I let, I let a lot of people down when I admit that. No,
0: I'm the exact same. I don't like Lord of the Rings. You. And I should because I have all of the other interests that people that like Lord of the Rings do. People yeah. take it for granted that I like Lord of the Rings.
1: Yeah, I can. Yeah, that's a thing. And I don't think I am into the other kind of associated things. But I'm a big bookworm and I love series of things. But yeah, just never got me, I'll be honest. I'm not really into like wizards and elks and... I say wizards like Harry Potter, but yeah, you know, just random creatures. I'm not great with that.
0: It's a lot. It's a lot to take in. It's like, it's a it's it's a step. It's a place.
1: It's a proper commitment to have to remember proper commitment. names, know what mountains are on about and all that. Yeah.
0: One thing that I discovered, which I thought was very interesting, is Tolkien, when he was writing Lord of the Rings and like that world, he actually developed the, the languages first and then used the stories to try and like fit them into it
1: interesting oh what a weird, we're not weird but yeah what an interesting way to go around it he
0: created a whole lexicon like language nexus mm-hmm. that was based off of like normal language so he had a what was essentially latin and like you know would differentiate the different elf languages and dwarf languages and had a whole mythology about it similar mm-hmm. to you know english and how that developed from latin and which i you know was pretty interesting and it seemed to be a like an embarrassing hobby for him you know he just did it because he loved doing it but he has quotes like referring to them as like my nonsense fairy languages or his secret vice
1: oh so then did he write the books he's like right well i need i need to come up with a reason why i did this um, i think
0: so yeah i think he's just really into like creating these different worlds and and
1: stuff uh, which i think is is cool i mean it's a lot i respect him as an author like absolutely incredible like anyone that can write like that and the way their brain works to come up with whole new worlds. And yeah, languages and names and geography is incredible. It's just not, it's just not for me though.
0: Yeah, I can barely remember normal place names.
1: Just like everything with Icelandic place names and you and I will be in make-believe, so don't worry. Yeah,
0: I just think it's kind of interesting that he was kind of embarrassed and ashamed of like how nerdy he was into all this. So for anyone listening out there, your own secret vices might lead you to create all this stuff.
1: An Absolute legacy. Yeah.
0: But his work in creating these languages, I think Quinya and Sindarin, which are two elf languages, are like mm-hmm. the most fleshed out. It has been very influential for other fictional Konglangs. So the Game of Thrones languages, Klingon, they all kind of take inspiration from this. Mm-hmm. And his languages weren't fully fleshed out like none of them were fully created just enough to like fit into his narrative and just kind of like the ideas of them yeah but it was fans that later turned these languages particularly Quinya and Sindarin into full languages that you can learn
1: it always is honestly fan bases they just take and run so yeah I'm not surprised about that at all
0: I mean I can kind of I can understand learning Esperantos you know mm-hmm. as I said myself I'm learning Toki Pona but I feel like learning. Sindarin, the elf, I think it's what elf, the elf language from Lord of the Rings. I feel like learning that fluently or Klingon fluently is a bit much, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, you've you've got to have a definite reason to do it or just a very big amount of free time. But I mean, I probably dedicate my time to things that people question just as much. So and I don't have a skill come out of it at the end. So
0: it must be fun to meet someone as well who like speaks speaks that Yes. weird language like if you're really into lord of the rings and you're like i'm gonna commit myself to learning cinder yeah and then you uh you you lock eyes with a pretty person reading lord of the rings book and then you say i, I
1: don't know I, I don't even know what it would what sound like i <laughs> seen this in a film i feel that i've seen this where somebody 17 again it was in 17 yeah, again that is literally where they're both yeah. into- this is literally i could picture it and i was like what film is that yeah see, see? seven yeah yes
0: and I guess that's that's all I have on constructed
1: languages. So many Google searches to do.
0: Learn Tokipona. Everyone learn Tokipona. It'll fix our brains. I'm just going to text you a word and be like, she knows what I mean. Thank you so much for coming on, Gal. Do you have anything exciting. you want to plug?
1: Um, The use, basically all of my social media is the same handle, which is Gal Actor. I didn't think it through. And when you read it, it does look like it's like some sort of dinosaur, but that's my name. Um, And I have a third full-length show that I'm writing at the moment, which should be performed online in May um, and when The Fringe happens again, Edinburgh Fringe next year. But everything I do, online gigs, face-to-face gigs, are just all on my social media. So anyone wants to find out more or find out um, if I ever have watched any of The Lord of the Rings in completion, i will be updating those channels and i have been saoirse shanae uh you can
0: find me at absurdrealhistory at gmail.com if you have any comments about the podcast or if you want to like and follow scream for ireland which is my theater company that i've produced this podcast for please continue to give your comments on this podcast and let me know if there's any other topics you think i should cover